Hey everyone, welcome to the Surrey Pentecostal Assembly Teachings Podcast. This is where we share our teachings with you so that you can stay connected no matter where you are. We hope this helps you journey with Jesus so that you can grow to be more like him. This past week, we were joined by missionaries Bernie and Celia Masher, all the way from Kenya, who shared what was on their heart. Thanks for tuning in. Truly blessed this morning. Hakunu Mungu Kamawewe. Buonasifiwe. For sure. For sure. There is no God like God, like our God. And we are so grateful for that. It feels like a homecoming again. It's always nice to be welcomed here in Surrey to your uh, to the church here. Uh, we are really grateful to be here with you. And in many ways, this actually feels like home. And that's lovely. We know many of you here, and we are blessed by you. A number of years ago, a team came out from the church and, and blessed us as well in Kenya, and it is very special. With that in mind, is it okay today if I become a little bit personal? Um, I do this hesitatingly. Uh, sometimes it comes back and it, it bites us. Um, but I feel that um, we, this would be a place where I'm able to share some things which are very close to our hearts, but um, which normally we do not share in an open um, group, a congregation like this. Um, but since you've given me your permission, I want to do that this morning. Um, I want to just share a little bit about what missions is and some of the changes and how it has affected not only Celia and I personally, our family, but the church as a whole, if I may, before we then share a little bit about what we are doing in Kenya. I grew up in a missionary family. My parents were missionaries. Some of you here know them and um, what they did in their ministry. And so that was my background. And in that time, I can see how much has changed in missions. It used to be that people would give their lives. In fact, before my parents' time, people would go out to wherever it was to a different country to serve, and they would often, they, were, they wouldn't take airplanes in those days because they weren't there. They would go on a ship, and they would end up even taking their coffins with them because there was the expectation when they went out, they would go out and they would die out there. They would not come back. In fact, we have friends in Naivasha who, who went to a, a country that was they knew was very dangerous for Christians to go to, and they flew out there. They didn't take their coffin out, but they knew there was a very good possibility that they were leaving their home country for the last time, and they were giving their lives. Often, people gave their lives literally. If you look at the history of, of missions in Kenya alone, the country where we are, there are many, many people who died. And if it wasn't the husband who died, the father who died, then often it was the, the wife or the children. And in Kenya, it was often as a result of malaria and other sicknesses. Now, what has happened is, as people have left, because now it has become much more of a short-term thing. And as people have left, very often, 
there are not people who've gone to fill their places. We personally have friends in many different countries, and let me just count three of them. Kenya is one country, Chad is another one, and Nepal is a third one, where we know people who have been serving out there for over 30 years. Their children have finished school, and so they have decided that they would move back to their home country, and nobody has gone to replace them. As children, as kids, I remember we would sometimes have mission conferences, and there were over 200 people, 200 missionaries, who would get together from our region. How many are there today? Four. Two of them are Celia and myself. The other, one of the other ones is looking to retire, has already been wanting to, to come back to Canada now for, for over a year. And that is going to make it even less. Short-term missions has become the big thing. People take, send out teams. And you know, what a blessing it is. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have been blessed by you sending out a team in the past. And I can show you the things that they have done. I met some of you this morning, and it was, it was, it was lovely. And there are other people here who, who, here this morning, who came out years ago in the 70s when short-term missions was not a thing. People didn't do that sort of thing back then. And they gave voluntarily. They reached into their own pockets. They paid for their own um, airplane tickets. And they came out in order to help my parents build churches in different places. There was a lot of opposition to them. And yet, the legacy, the fruit, remains. I sent a picture through to some people on WhatsApp of one of the churches that was built. And this morning, I had to smile because there's, the church is still standing. And one of the people who was involved in that building, he is here this morning. I'm not sure where he is, um, but he's here somewhere. And there's one thing that was changed in that church. The church now looks like Pastor Wes's shirt. It's painted pink, but it's still there. So there is a great blessing with short-term missions. And yet, um, that seems to have taken the place of people who are willing to give their lives. Missions used to be described like an army. The people who were out on, at the front, they were the soldiers. But behind them was a huge support group. They were people who were raising the finances for it. They were people who were standing in prayer. And when things were happening, we were praying for miracles and answers to prayer earlier with people who had raised their hands. The people who are on the front and who are facing these things, they were the ones fighting, but they had an army of, of other people helping them. Often today, it doesn't feel like that anymore. We're finding that many churches have been changing their focus. And now, instead of looking to see what is happening in other places, it is much more about the local community. And what's happening on the other side of the world is no longer an emphasis. This has affected us personally, because for many, many years, we have been praying for people to come alongside us to help us, Celia and I, because we... We've had to stop a number of the projects or put some things on hold. We were doing entrepreneurship. We were, we were teaching tailoring. And um, we had started the weaving project. We've, I hope you've seen out there 
some of the things that we are doing. If you want to support the ladies who do that in Kenya, then go and see Joan over there in the, in the back. But we have been looking for people to come out and help us, and we've been praying. I think we've been praying for how many years, sweets? Over 15 years, and it's, it's, we're still looking for people in Kenya, for people in East Africa, for people from the West. We've been out in Kenya now for 17 years. I, as I say, I grew up out there, but as a family, we've been there for 17 years. And now, when we come back, we find that things have changed. That's normal. The church has changed. People have changed. When my parents first went out, and I believe it was 1962, my mom can confirm that. She's here. I, don't, I think it's 1962. They, when they left, they had a whole group of people around them. And they all went to the airport together. That, it, flying back then was unusual. But today, when we, we travel, it isn't like that. That's normal. It's normal, but it is different. When we come back, we long to connect with churches, and we long to connect with people. But what happens when you're out there, things change here. And so, for example, you, people move away. And so the church that you knew, that you recognized, has changed. The people that you knew often have moved. The pastor has changed. They've changed their emphasis. Friends have moved on to different places. And so often it is very difficult to re reconnect. We long to connect with people. But because of how we as human beings are with migrations, it sometimes is very difficult. In addition, we long to share what God has done. Some of those, so those times where we've asked for prayer and we've seen an answer to prayer. Some of those times where we continue to ask for prayer and we haven't had that miracle. We haven't had that answered prayer. And we long to share it. And often it is the opportunities are not there. That's where Surrey is so different. And a couple of the churches that we've seen this time, they've given us an opportunity to share. But when we get together with missionary friends and other people that, that are doing a similar work to us, we discover that, that often you're given very little time to present your vision. Personally, we find that very difficult. Missions was perceived very differently in times past because the world was different. How many of you grew up with a television in your home? There are a few hands, but not many. And yet now we can turn on the television and we can have the world in our living room. And so the things that were unusual and strange no longer are unusual and strange. So when we were kids, we would come home and my parents would go to the different churches. They had unusual stories and cultures and uh, things to share. And there was real interest. People were, what? what is this? And so us as kids, we often had to come up and we had to do our part as well. Don't worry, Abby and Theon, I'm not going to call you guys up. Um, and we had to sing a song or we had to dress in unusual clothing and things. And it was really interesting. Why? Because it was different. That doesn't only apply here, but it applied to, to us in Kenya as well. Because we were unusual. We would go into a village and 
Hundreds of people, kids, they would come around and they would just, they would want to see us because we were unusual. Often we would go into a Maasai village and, and sometimes it still happens today. They, they, they would come up and they would want to touch our hair because our hair was different. Or the Maasai women would come up and they would touch my arms or my legs because we have hair on our legs and arms. It was different. But today we have television and the world's become a much smaller place. As I look out here, just look around you. Look how things are different. The world, people on the other side of the world have now come here and we have gone there. Everything has completely changed. Some of the cultures that we knew and that we reached out to, they have now moved into our neighborhoods and they have become our neighbors and our friends and our work colleagues. And so maybe that is one of the reasons why missions is no longer where it was, why there are only four missionaries in the organization in Kenya versus the 200 that were there 20 or 30 years ago. In addition, there's the idea, well, you know, you don't have to. Local, in our community, we have people, so there is no longer a need to send people 3,000 miles away, the cost and, and the expense to send a family. Mission has changed. But does that mean that the Great Commission, where Jesus sent his disciples to all the world, does that mean that it is no longer valid? When I read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, I actually don't see that Jesus said, go into all the world until September 16th, 2022. Then you can stop. Interestingly, Jerusalem was very much like what we see here today. People from the world, all the then known world, came to Jerusalem. And Jesus still told his disciples to go. Now, how do I know that? Look at all the people, the languages that are mentioned at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. I believe the Great Commission was and has always been part of God's plan. Because it represents the way God works. And it shows the heart of God. There's one verse in the Bible that is really, really well known. And maybe all of us have it memorized. And it starts how? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. What did he love? God loved the world. How different the God of the Bible is to many of the other gods that we have in the world today or supposed gods. Just look at the God of Islam. Allah. One of the 99 names that they give to Allah is loved. And yet in the Quran, it says that God hates the unbeliever. How different from Jesus who says, love your enemies. God loves the world. And God indeed loves the whole world. God, missions was God's plan. Missions was the way that God did things. Just think about it. Jesus came down to earth 
Would it not have been easier for, for Jesus to just say, move aside, I'm going to do it myself? Wouldn't it have been easier for God to do that? Instead of choosing 12 disciples, one of whom didn't even, didn't even make it while Jesus was alive? And yet, that is God's way. We even find that in the Old Testament, that God could defeat the enemy without a problem. We know that from Jericho. You know what happened in Jericho? How much did the Israelites actually do? Or the story of the four lepers that we find in the book of Kings, that where they were encompassed by the Syrian army, and they said, you know, we're going to die, so we might as well go to the camp and see if we can find some food. And they found the camp empty. God can, and he does do these things. But often, what was it? The Israelites themselves had to fight the, battery, the battle. Victory came as God helped his people fight. Consider Isaiah 49, verse 6. We read, he says, it is, Is it too insignificant a task for you to be my servant, to reestablish the tribes of Jacob and restore the remnant of Israel? Now, this is the, the part I want to emphasize. You got your ears, ears open? Nudge your neighbor, see if they're still there. Okay, you listening? I will make you a light to the nations so you can bring my deliverance to the remote regions of the earth. I will bring, make you a light to the nations so you can bring my deliverance to the remote regions of the earth. Whose deliverance is it? It's God's deliverance. How will he bring it? Through the people. That seems to be God's way. And that is why Jesus didn't change things, but he carried on. We find missions itself throughout the whole Bible. Starts in Genesis when God said to Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. Goes all the way through the Bible. We don't have time this morning to look at more verses. Goes all the way to Revelations where we read about the nations standing before the throne of God. Praising God in all languages, all tribes, all nations. You find it throughout. Missions is not only the way that God chose it, but he chose it because it is for our benefit. How many of you are blessed this morning? By having songs sung in a different language, in a different way. That's missions. That's God's intent. That's what God wanted. But it's also because we benefit from that. Did you know that? We personally benefit from that. Now, I'm going to try something today. Um, let's see if this works. Um, I, I wonder if, if right up here we could have a small group... Just stand up to represent Surrey. Okay? Just stand up to represent Surrey. Okay? Yeah, just right now. Okay, this, this group here is Surrey. All right? This is your church. They represent your church. Okay? Where? So, not all of Canada, not all of British Columbia, not all, all the Vancouver area. I hope I didn't insult you by saying that. But Surrey. All right? Now, let's consider some others. I wonder if I could get somebody somewhere to stand up to represent India. Can somebody stand up to represent? Okay, so we have a couple over here that are standing to represent India. India is a country where only 3% of the
the country is Christian, and yet one-third of the health care in the whole country comes from the Christians. Okay, India. Let's take, pick another country, Mozambique. Okay, just somebody to stand up from Mozambique. Just one person to stand up to represent Mozambique. Okay, we have somebody standing in Mozambique. Do you know what's happening in Mozambique? We're in northern Mozambique. People are being attacked and, and Islam is growing. Have you heard those stories? Are you praying for Mozambique as a result? Somebody to stand up to represent Bulgaria. Bulgaria, a country in the former Soviet Union. You're standing to represent Bulgaria. I was in Bulgaria and spoke to a woman, was able to pass a Bible to her during the communist times, her first Bible that she'd ever had. And she wept. And I thought, my goodness, here I have how many Bibles at home? Bulgaria. Somebody, Somalia. Stand up to represent Somalia. Somalia. There was a pastor a few years ago, a Somali Christian. He became a Christian, and he was ministering on the border with Kenya. And the Al-Shabaab, the, the Muslim extremists, didn't like that. And so they went, and they attacked him, and they killed him. And he left behind a woman from Nigeria who he had met in a YWAM uh, um, event over in Nigeria and three young children. Thank you. One more. Let's pick one more. Sudan. Who will, who's willing to stand up for Sudan? Sudan. A country that used to be Christian. There are ruins throughout much of the country where of churches that were huge. It used to be, now many, the, the old name for people from Sudan was Namibians. And it used to be if somebody was called a Namibian, they were a Christian. Now, take a look around. See the people standing. You from Surrey. You see Christians and what God is doing throughout the whole world. How does that make you feel? How, how does that change your Christianity? Before, you were only looking at the... Th well, not only. But your emphasis was for your neighbors and for your friends. And then suddenly you discover that God is doing these things in so many different countries. What does that do for your faith? Thank you, you can be seated. What does that do to your faith? Doesn't it make God bigger? It's like when you go outside on a clear night and you see the stars. And you say, my goodness, God created that. Doesn't God become bigger? So when we are involved in these different things, suddenly... God becomes greater. And remember this. This is part of what God had planned. This was his plan for us to be involved. Now in all of this, let us remember that God uses human beings as his vessels to bring the message of deliverance. He brings deliverance. God wants you and me to be involved in being his hands, his representation, out not only in your community, but further afield, some of those places that we saw represented. That is God's method. And if it is God's method, we were talking about miracles and we were talking about answered prayer. I want to suggest something to you. Maybe 
you are that answered prayer to somebody else. Maybe somebody is praying for a need. And you have something. And you are the answer to prayer. We see that when Jesus describes the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And it, who does he invite into the kingdom? Is it the people who have said the Lord's Prayer? Or the people who have said the sinner's prayer and been baptized? We know those things are important. But it is those people who were the answers to pray, other people's prayers. And we are to be that with the people around you and also the people in other countries. That is God's plan. I just want to show you a little bit of what we are doing uh, just to show how we are trying to do that in the people that we serve. And if we can show a video and then Celia, if you can come up. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here this morning with you. Buona um, asifiwe. Yeah, man, it, what, what a wonderful worship it was this morning. My goodness, I felt that it was a taste of heaven, right? Did you feel that? That was just fantastic. Thank you so much for that this morning. Um, so we've just shown you a video that gives you a little bit of a glimpse of what our ministry is in Naivasha in Kenya. Um, and we, we run a school um, that helps, it's an inclusive school, and it helps children with special needs and disabilities. And um, the reason why we do that is because many of these children, children with disabilities, actually have few opportunities to have an education. Um, I remember there was a dad who spoke to me a, a few years ago, and he told me when his son was born with spina bifida, the community said to him, well, you know, what, what have you done wrong in your family? There must be some kind of sin that you've committed or your family must be cursed. And so he said to me, this dad, you know, I, you know my son is unable to walk. He, he's disabled. And I just felt that I needed to hide him away at home. And so what we are trying to do with the school is actually bring these children to a place where they can interact with other kids, with other typically developing kids, and to feel God's love, to um, be taught about God, uh, to, to teach them about Jesus, and just um, where they will feel that they belong and that they are loved. And uh, we, I just want to just tell you that, you know, you, you saw up there teacher Sophie, she was teaching a little girl to, to count to seven, I think. She is the, the, she heads up the special education team. Um, we work with a wonderful national team who care and love for these children. And um, I am just extremely proud to, to work with these, uh, this team. We have special education teachers, we have occupational therapists, and they work with the kids either in the regular mainstream classrooms or they take them for um, therapy or special support groups. And we take the kids at their level, wh whatever level they are at. We think, okay, this, 
this is where they are, we'll take them at their pace, we'll help them to learn a new skill. Uh, let me tell you about Darwin. Darwin recently learned to tie his shoelaces. And he was so excited about this that he would spend all of his time tying his shoelaces. And when I had a meeting with Sophie and the team, they were saying, oh my goodness, he's so excited. This is all he wants to do. And the class teacher said, yeah, the other day uh, I was in class, Darwin disappeared. I said to the kids, where's Darwin gone? Oh, they said, he's under the table. He's tying that guy's shoelaces. <laughs> so excited. It was so wonderful. You know, this is really special. It may seem like a very small thing to you and I to be able to tie our shoelaces. But actually for Darwin, it was huge. It's a huge step. And I happened to walk past um, when Darwin was tying the shoelace of a little autistic boy who's also in the school. And I, I got a picture of it. And I thought, wow, how wonderful, how that one little boy with Down syndrome, as Darwin has Down syndrome, tying the shoelace of a little his little autistic friend. It was just a very special and moving moment. And we have many special moments when we see how these children just grow and develop and just feel part of something wonderful. And you saw up there that the children were singing I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, that is the message that actually we want to bring to the children. It is a message for all of us. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made and God accepts us and loves us, whatever our abilities. And so I just, um, I want to say thank you to all of you uh, for your partnership with us in this ministry. And looking ahead, um, Bernie and I are actually heading back to Kenya next week. And when we get back, we are, we're hoping to expand the team. In fact, we need to, to hire new special needs teachers and another occupational therapist because we have such a waiting list of children wanting to come to the school that actually we can't take them all right now. There are just so many. And so we want to expand the team so that we can at least accept some more. And so please pray with us through that process. Um, obviously, we want to find the right people, and we need to find people with a real heart for children. So thank you very much. That's just my little speech for this morning. <laughs> I just want to finish off with a small challenge. We prayed for people this morning, for miracles, for answered prayers. God uses his people to do his work. Are you somebody else's answered prayer? We showed how we are trying to be that in Kenya. God calls all of his children to do that. Are you somebody else's answered prayer? It might be your neighbor. It might be a member of your family. It might be the person on the other side of the city. It might be somebody in Somalia or Sudan or Vietnam or wherever. Are you their answered prayer to bring the deliverance 
that God has promised?